You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. On today's show, we're going to wrap up the World Juniors. We're going to take a look at the All-Star Game and the Jets nominations. And we're going to wrap up the show taking a look at the impact of the latest injuries. All right, so for segment number one, we kind of want to recap the World Juniors I love the World Juniors, probably one of my favorite tournaments of the year, so it was actually kind of a problem when Jets games would be on at the same time as World Juniors games. I would often watch World Juniors just because there's such a short tournament and you don't get to see that many games, and watching the best prospects, I don't get to do that very often, and so... Uh, a couple times I only caught the end of Jets games while I was watching uh, Team Canada. Uh, but your thoughts kind of just on the World Juniors as a whole, I just feel so disappointed at the end of it. Yeah, so was I, obviously, being a uh, a guy from Canada. Everybody in Canada, that's one of the things you always look forward to. I find it interesting seeing some opposing views on social media. Some people don't actually like the World Junior Tournament, thinking they're heaping way too much pressure on these young kids, all that sort of thing. Uh, also, kind of how Canada makes a big deal out of it, but nobody else really does. Yeah, Finland cares, and they care that they won, but not compared to Canada and how TSN has wall-to-wall coverage at all times. In, in the States, they could care less about the World Junior team and how Canada has kind of heaped it up on a pedestal that maybe it doesn't need to be on. But regardless, because we are from but Canada... Like, but the thing is, too, there's there's other world tournaments that have this exact same thing. Like, uh, let's say, the World Hockey Championship. As a Canadian, I don't care. Yes, Canada has a team at the World Hockey Championship, but it's during the NHL playoffs. I don't care how Team Canada does. I'm not heartbroken when Team Canada loses. The Spengler Cup is another one where those club teams, they get passionate, they get into it, they're excited. Canada has a team, but I don't care. So those are just hockey examples. And there's a lot of other sporting events where Canadian Canada has a team in, but as a country, we just don't care a whole lot. This is just the one we care about and other countries don't care as much. And so this is just kind of our example. Yeah, exactly. And I do understand maybe the the heaping all these expectations on 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. It can be a little bit ridiculous, especially reading some of those ridiculous comments uh, regarded towards Maxime Comtois after not scoring in the on the penalty shot in overtime. Um, just seeing those comments and seeing how ridiculous some people are, um, I see how maybe that gets shed in a negative light. Okay, let's be honest here, though. People are ridiculous at... Peewee and squirt hockey games. Parents are dumb at those games. And like and that's even less of a scale. That's less of uh um in pressure. There's really a lot less on the line. And you're, you're, you still get those kind of like comments, not necessarily on social media, but you get parents talking like that around the rink. You've you've heard it. And so this is just on a much bigger national scale. I think it's to be expected. It kind of, th- you're right, it does throw some of these kids to the fire who haven't experienced anything like that before. Maybe coming from a smaller market team, you don't really hear that kind of negative stuff as much. I don't know if I necessarily have a problem with how much pressure they're under. I think it's just kind of something that just naturally happens out of a big event like that. But... I love the tournament personally, and now the question kind of becomes is, does there need to be a review of Canadian hockey after one loss like that? I say you don't necessarily need to review everything after one loss to Finland. No, exactly, and especially the nature it was done. I mean, it's an overtime loss when you missed a penalty shot to win two minutes earlier, and then a stick breaks on a wide-open net. And it's not like they got absolutely hammered, lost 5 nothing, wasn't even close, and it wasn't even a good showing. Or it's not like they 
They lost to the eventual gold medalists. Right, exactly. And it's not like they didn't make it out of the group stage. Because if something like that were to happen, you would see maybe something coming together that, okay, what do we do? Yeah, Canada looked good all tournament. They won the games they were supposed to win. They had a really close game with Russia in the, on New Year's Eve, which was a good game. Uh, but again, that they could have won. Then they had this game in the first round against Finland, a team that kind of had struggled out of the gate and then picked it up when it mattered. And so that, and that's why they fell to Canada in the first round because they had some really tough competition in their pool in round robin and kind of had muffed some of those earlier games to get where they were. But you got to give it to Finland. They played amazing. Their goaltender played really well. They stepped up when needed. They scored a late goal on Canada that maybe, yeah, you would have liked to have back, and they scored an overtime, another one that I know DiPietro would have liked to have back again, but it's one game. I don't think we need a massive review. And again, it's a short tournament, so you're gonna, it's again, a small sample size. Well, and these things go in cycles, right? So Finland's now won three of the last six years before that hardly won at all. And, and we see that kind of go in cycles where if you look back in the 90s, Czech Republic was really good for a number of seasons. Maybe Jarmir Jager had a little bit of a thing to do with that, but it, it comes and goes in cycles, right? We see times where Sweden is absolutely dominant. Sometimes Russia is absolutely dominant. Sometimes Canada, five years in a row, you win. Six years in a row. There's all these sorts of things. It just comes and goes in cycles, and that's just the way it goes nowadays when so many teams, so many countries are that good at hockey that's just the nature of it. Yeah, I was extremely disappointed, but I don't think there needs to be a re- whole review on Hockey Canada. No, I totally agree. Uh, in regards to the Jets prospects, uh, if you're reading on my all my recaps of the nightly tournament action, uh, three Winnipeg Jets prospects playing in the tournament, uh, one for Finland, winning the gold medal, that was Vertanen. Um, similar to Vertanen, I've been hearing Vertanen is the Canadian pronunciation, such as Jake Vertanen, Vancouver Canucks player, um, but Vertanen or Virtanen is the actual Finnish pronunciation. That's Virtanen how they are, sounds way more Finnish. Th- that's how they were pronouncing it in the tournament. Regardless, he comes home with a gold medal. Pretty good showing for him. Had a nice little goal as well. A nice little flip up over the pad on a nice backhand deke. Um, David Gustafson, the Winnipeg Jets, second round pick, but first pick of theirs this past draft, uh, playing for Sweden as well. Obviously got bounced a little bit earlier with that total upset to Switzerland, but decent showing for Gustafsson as well. During the games I watched of him, he looked pretty solid for Sweden. Uh, And lastly, Dylan Sandberg. He has this grit about him. If you watch some of the highlights, he hits everybody hard, and he's likely going to be getting some sort of suspensions down the road with the way he plays. I I don't know if you saw any of the replays, uh, but specifically kind of a, a check to the face of one of the Russian players in that semifinal game. It was right after the first period. Russia took a shot with the as time expired. Dylan Sandberg didn't like it, went straight for the face, essentially punched a Russian guy straight in the head uh, to end the period. Um, but he plays with that gritty edge style of play. It'll be interesting to see if he makes it to the Moose in a couple seasons or where he goes from there. But those are kind of the Winnipeg Jets prospects and how they all played. I thought they all played quite well for their teams in the tournament. And kind of one back, one last thing to your uh, to our earlier conversation about uh, who uh, should be most worried. I'd probably be the most worried about Sweden after falling to Switzerland. There's way more panic and there's way more frustration losing to Switzerland, uh, who is not seen nearly as much as a hockey power. And especially considering Switzerland didn't do that much that well in the next game, they lost kind of in a more embarrassing fashion. Canada, yes, had so many chances, and it was unfortunate the way they lost, but you lost to the eventual gold medalists, a great team in Finland, 
uh, opposed to a team like Switzerland, who's not quite as highly touted. But, but in Sweden's defense as well, you're talking about this small tournament. Again, Anything can yeah, happen. Right. Sweden apparently battling a bunch of illnesses. So let's say you have the flu going around your team with a tournament only lasting not even two weeks. There's so much that can happen. You get a few guys with the flu, a few key guys with the flu not playing up to their best, you can easily take a 2-0 loss to Switzerland, and that's what happened. Or you, you have one lucky bounce, like Canada against Finland. There's all these sorts of things. We, we hear Maxime Comtois was playing with a separated shoulder for some of the games uh, for Team Canada. There's all these sorts of things that you don't hear about during the games that only come out after the fact, similar to the NHL playoffs, that, oh, why wasn't this guy performing? Well, an injury, an illness, all these sorts of things that can throw wrenches into the tournament that we don't always see. All right, so we want to get back to the Winnipeg Jets and take a look at one of the big announcements just coming out. The All-Star Game uh, coming up pretty soon. The nominations being announced for the Winnipeg Jets. Two Jets making the cut. Uh, Blake Wheeler, the captain, assistant captain, Mark Shifley. Or do you prefer assistant captain or alternate captain? I like assistant captain. That's what I'm used to. Okay, but I've heard alternate as well. Yeah, either works. And then Paul Maurice being named as the coach for the Central. I just think this is hilarious with all of these uh, people who are not necessarily fans of Paul Maurice uh, getting named the coach for the All-Star Game. Yeah, the interesting thing, though, with that is that it's not like he got voted in. Um, It's essentially whichever team is first. So yeah. it's the top team in each division gets to coach. So regardless of how much he is... And it's it's to winning percentage. Correct, because not every team plays the same amount of games. Uh, but the Winnipeg Jets being at the top of the Central Division, uh, being at the highest points percentage as well, Paul Maurice gets to coach. Uh, he was actually at the, an All-Star game a number of years ago, if you remember back to 1997. I do not. Uh, I was uh, very, very young at the time, but he was actually an assistant coach back when he was in his second year coaching with the Hartford Whalers. Uh, a funny picture. I have it up on Jets Nation. Uh, very young Paul Maurice. You should go check it out. Um, but that was uh, over 20 years ago now, and now he's making another appearance in the All-Star game as the, as the head coach. Kind of a nice little uh, circle for him. Okay, so now when you see all of the people who get added, and we can go on and on about the All-Star game, the merits, the pros, the cons. Which what, we will later, coming closer to the All-Star Yeah, game. once we get closer. But just now, just seeing the nominations, your thoughts, was this the right call? I think because of the format that it is right now, where you, everybody gets guaranteed one player at the All-Star game, and because they have the four-division format with the four teams, and it's the three-on-three hockey style, which I don't mind necessarily, but because they have to take one player from every team, you only get usually two at max three players per team at max. So do you like these selections? Yeah, I think it's fine. There's really, like you said, there's not much you can do when every team has to represent. I would prefer where every team does not need a representative and you just go with the absolute best players. That might make it a little bit more fun. But then if you're a team that has, if you're a fan of a team that has nobody nominated, are you tuning in at all? Well, probably not. If you're a fan of the LA Kings, you're going to tune in just to see your one player. Well, well, maybe more so than if you had nobody. There'd be no point to tuning in. So I understand why the NHL is doing oh, this. Oh, I definitely understand it, yeah. But I think it leads to some maybe not as good teams as you could have, um, potentially. But I like the divisional format. I like the three-on-three. The thing I don't like is guys skipping it and other representatives having to go from those teams. But I understand it as well, because the All-Star game means nothing. Why not take a weekend off, rest, relax, uh, and hit the ground running after that when the playoff push comes. Well, yeah, and that's the big thing too. And but and then the other thing is positional balance 
because you need so many defensemen, you need so many goaltenders, and if you have one from every team, it's a delicate balancing act trying to find uh, the right amount of all-stars. And so I think for Dallas, uh, it's Heiskanen is the representative. Is he the best player on Dallas this year? I don't know. Would you say Sagan or Ben? Maybe. Maybe not. And I'm just putting that out there that one of those guys aren't. But, but when you're looking you need, at the other forwards in the but central. But when you're looking at the other forwards in the central, Sagan and Ben probably aren't there. Especially if you have guys like Ranton and McKinnon. You have obviously guys like Patrick Kane and Wheeler and Shifley. And all of a sudden, oh, you're full. And now you need to fill out the rest with defense and goalies from the other teams. And exactly. then you get this weird little balance. So I understand that as well. Uh, but regardless, nice little nod to Wheeler and Shifley. A potential for Line A to get voted in as well. The voting still going on right now. You can vote up to 10 times per day. I, I believe it's one spot for each division can get voted on. So they have a list of nominees that you can it's have. It's called, yeah, the last man in or whatever so it's So everybody called. go vote for Line A if you haven't already. Try to get him in as well to have three Winnipeg Jets representing at the All-Star It'd weekend. be nice to have three. And what I was kind of wanting to talk about here was a lot of people online were feeling kind of slighted that the Jets didn't have Line A in as an All-Star. But I think this is the right call. When you're only when you're limited to the amount of players you can have, Shifley and Wheeler are by far, in my opinion, the two best Winnipeg Jets. They are the two All-Stars driving the Winnipeg Jets. Period. Position doesn't matter. Those two are the best players on the Winnipeg Jets. They deserve to be All-Stars, clearly. And so then when you're going down the list and trying to like add in somebody else, Patrick Laine, he had an amazing November. But he had an amazing November. Um, we put a month on it because he was lights out amazing. I'm fine with, yeah, let's vote him in. But I, I am agreeing with the people who decided, yeah, Shifley and Wheeler ahead of him. Just want to put out a fun stat, uh, kind of talking about Patrick Laine. He is the only uh, goal scorer in the top 40 in the single digits in assists. Yeah, he only has eight assists right now. Yeah. Um, so looking at his goal totals, he has 24 goals and eight assists for 32 points. And so when you take a look at him, if you take a look at the top 18 goal scorers, he's last. Uh, and then he's just slightly ahead of Chris Kreider, who comes in at 19 for goal scorers. But then other than that, there's... Anyways, what I'm saying is that he's very lopsided with goals and assists. Anyways, the last uh, topic we kind of wanted to get to today, unless something else comes up, uh, the injury implications. A couple of big injuries to the Winnipeg Jets, one up front, one on the back end, uh, talking about Nick Ehlers, talking about uh, Dustin Bufflin. And there have been some minor injuries this year uh, to the team, some up front, Andrew Kopp and Kulikov's been battling injuries and Morrow and some other guys. And well, what do you think about this latest injury here uh, to Bufflin and Ehlers? Uh, just your thoughts on the implications? Yeah, it's tough. Um, the Winnipeg Jets have to deal with it. There's no other option. Uh, obviously, Dustin Bufflin, arguably still the number one defenseman in Winnipeg. You could argue he's not really anymore, kind of playing second pairing most of the time. Uh, but he plays heavy minutes on the power play, does a lot of things well. He's a guy you always want on the ice. And he's a, a tough guy to fill because of that. There, There is nobody that plays like Dustin Bufflin in the entire NHL. He, he is kind of in a league of his own in his style, his speed, skill, size. Nobody else can do that. And, and if somebody else goes out on the defense, even a guy like Truba, can somebody step in similar to kind of what Truba does? More likely than a guy similar to Dustin Bufflin. 
and I think it's tough for the Winnipeg Jets because especially um, you're already limited with uh, Tucker Pullman being injured for the Moose. Sammy Niku's the call-up. We've seen that before. You kind of just plug in and play, but now you have an imbalance with a lot more left-handed defensemen compared to right-handed defensemen if you still care about that sort of thing. Um, and, and it's not optimal, but it's what you have to do. Yeah, and so that means more minutes for Myers, and they were talking about that today on TSN and just how now he's going to get more into that rhythm and hopefully he can play okay. He scored the game-winning goal uh, against Dallas, and I don't mind Tyler Myers as much as some people do. There's definitely that offensive upside, and he shows that at times, but you're right. We've looked, especially early on in the season, at some defensive lapses. Do you think those have kind of been fixed, or have you noticed him as much? Well, he's been doing a lot better recently, and it's pretty much exactly coinciding when Kulikov came back from his injury. If you remember back to the start of the season, Joe Morrow played majority of the first games of the season. As soon as Kulikov kind of got settled in, him and Myers really found some chemistry similar to what they did last year, and they're playing really good as a third pairing together, especially in the last month. So if they continue that, now they're just doing it with more minutes. So I think they can do it. I think essentially you're promoting not just Myers, but Kulikov as well. Sherratt just kind of gets bumped down. I wrote an article a couple or two weeks ago, a week ago, right after the injury happened to to Dustin Bufflin, kind of what to do now. And, And kind of what the Winnipeg Jets have to do is you you put Myers and Kulikov as a pairing, as a second pairing, and now Ben Chirot just moves down and gets plugged in with Morrow, and, and then you go from there. And I think you have to do it that way rather than switching up Myers with Chirot, um just taking Dustin Bufflin's spot, because Chirot and Myers together have been horrendous in the past. Looking at the numbers of the last two seasons, they actually had their worst Corsi differentials when they played with each other. So both of them performed better with anybody else except each other. So you do not want to have Sherratt playing with Myers. So I think it's Myers and Kulikov, Sherratt and Morrow. Hopefully Niku maybe gets a game and you just kind of hope you can deal with it till Bufflin comes back. One thing I want to mention before we get to the forwards is Kyle's fancy new shoes. Uh, looking pretty stylish uh, here in studio. Get a... I'm taking after Kawhi Leonard with a New Balance. I see that. Um, being a huge sponsor for Kawhi Leonard, I'm a big Raptors fan, so rocking that New Balance uh, just like him. Nice. There you go. Uh, back to hockey, though. Uh, we don't have wear skates in studio, so we don't we can't rep our favorite stars when it comes to skate brands. Uh, but what we do want to talk about is the forwards and Nick Ehlers and taking a look at how that impacts the forward unit. Uh, he was kind of playing on the top line with Wheeler and Shifley, as everybody knows. Uh, and so now that he comes out, they put in Jack Roslevic in that spot in the last game. And I actually got to see a good chunk of that last game against Dallas. I didn't mind that because I think it spreads kind of the wealth out and you don't notice necessarily the departure of Ehlers as much because Shifley and Wheeler are going to be dominant dominant with no matter who's on their line and then the other lines can stay the same more or less yeah so when Ehlers first got hurt I think in the same game Kyle Connor got shifted up a little bit uh, Matthew Perot took a turn as well so we've seen kind of multiple guys filling that spot uh, Rosdovic as well um, it comes at an interesting time because the top two lines for the Winnipeg Jets have truly been bad since about the week before Christmas, they have not been performing well. I remember, this, I think three or four games ago, they said Wheeler and Shifley could have got their 50th point uh, together as teammates, could have each reached reach the 50th point plateau, would have been the soonest ever in franchise history. Well, they didn't get it for one game. They didn't get it for two games. And these are guys that are scoring more than one point a game. And it took them multiple games until they both reached that mark. And it just seems that they've been struggling lately with Ehlers on their wing. So it comes at an interesting time where maybe a shakeup would have been good for them regardless of the injury. And now it just has to happen rather than Paul Maurice kind of making the change. 
And so now uh, when you take a look at this shakeup and this little change, I think the Jets have more uh, – would you say they have more forward depth? Oh, definitely. Than defensive. Definitely. I, I would say so, too. And so then now that they have more forward depth than defense, it's easier to cover Ehlers, especially when you have four lines to spread it out over, opposed to just three defensive pairings and really you play two defensive pairings more than the third. And and so I think it's easier to spread out a loss like that, especially on the wing, opposed to centerman. But uh, obviously the Jets wanting both of those players back as soon as possible. Yeah, so I think for Ehlers, though, who do you put there? That's kind of our, my question today is, who would you want to see in that position? I'm okay with Jack Rozovic being there, because then you can keep little Connor and Line A together. But do and, you want to keep them together? Well, that's, Connor went 10 games without a point. We were just talking about how Line has been doing nothing since November, right? If, right? if Line A had a bad December, is it time for a shakeup? I wouldn't. I've still been thinking about this for a while, that if Line a is the superstar that everybody says he is, then maybe we should... Well. I was kind of looking at this at two two points, and we've I've kind of been harping on Line a, a little bit this episode, but I've, I've been thinking about him lately, and just with guys talking about him in the All Star game and everything like that. But if he's the superstar he says he is, or well, he doesn't even say he is, but everybody says he is, then he should be able to drive a line himself to a degree, because a true superstar is able to drive a line and create offense. But if you're putting legitimate players with him and he's not able to do that then I question a little bit his true superstar status yes he's a lethal lethal shooter nobody's arguing that but his true superstar status is hampered a little bit I think Phil Kessel is a great player and they're able to put him on his own line in Pittsburgh like nobody's complaining oh Phil Kessel's not getting opportunities because he's not playing with Crosby or Malkin Phil Kessel can get opportunities still playing on the third line in Pittsburgh and you're able to spread that out Patrick Laine should be able to play on his own line, basically, and still be able to get chances if he is a superstar. Or do you agree or disagree? No. Well, I agree. Like, and I'm a fan of putting him on the top line with Shifley and Wheeler and just having a dominant line. But then I think you get too top heavy. You're not going to put Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel on one line because it's just going to be you're down. Wh- unless which you're they down, do occasionally. and then again, you put Line on the power play. You put him sometimes on the ice in extra time because you need a goal. But I think I am of the mindset, kind of like Pittsburgh's won those cups, with balance, you need balance. And so that's why I am okay with moving Rozovic up. So with me, it kind of comes down, I think there's four options for that Ehlers spot. Rozovic, like you said, and he can plug and play fine. He, he's fast, almost a similar style to Ehlers. A little bit smaller guy, but very quick, right? He, he handles the puck quickly, makes decisions pretty quickly. He can play there. Uh, I think Kyle Connor is definitely a candidate to move back up. Uh, we saw that line a bunch last year. Um, even a little bit this year, Kyle Connor knows those guys well. It's a, a very easy go-to. Matthew Pro is the exact same way. Matthew Pro, you can plug and play, and you know he's going to perform with those guys because that's what he does. And I think the last option, like you said, is Line A. Does he need to get out of this slump that we've been saying? Can he go on the top line to beat that slump? My personal recommendation, I think you move Kyle Connor up because of that familiarity with those two guys before. And then I want Matthew Perot in Kyle Connor's spot with Perot, Little, and Line. The reason why I want that is Matthew Perot is an excellent puck retriever. He creates a ton of turnovers. He gets the puck in the offensive zone. That is his absolute specialty, bread and butter. That is Line's worst part of his game. So then do you move Cop back to the Tanner Lowry line? I would move, the, the, yeah, that line and so back then together. The and then the fourth line kind of goes back to what you were kind of earlier in the season exactly. when they weren't getting a lot of ice time of Appleton, Roslevic, 
and Lemieux or Patan or or whatever. Uh, Looks like Patan's still in the press box. But regardless, that's what I would do. I think Perot and Line would work well together with Perot's puck retrieval retrieval skills. I think it complements Line's shooting ability very well uh, because Line, like you said, he cannot drive a line right now by himself. He, he just can't. He can't get the puck off the walls. He can't beat that one guy or that second guy. He's just not able to do it right now. Will it come down the road? Potentially. But I think you need to help him along with a guy like Matthew Perot who excels at helping those other players um, work together. And I think Little can do that as well. So that's my recommendation. Connor moves up. Perot moves up. And kind of the bottom six goes back to what we've generally seen this year. So then does Patan get in the lineup here in this scenario? <laughs> Unfortunately... I would like to see him there, but Paul Maurice does not. I think it'd be very intriguing a final shirt, a final shot for Patan, stick him straight in Ehlers' spot with Shifley and Wheeler and say, you get three games, this is it. That's what I would like to see. Say to Nick Patan, say, this is your shot. If you do not perform, essentially your career in Winnipeg's over. And we all know it already, right? Yep. He, oh, yeah. He's not getting in the lineup even with these injuries. So if you're not going to let him show you or showcase, maybe his time is over in Winnipeg already. We're kind of maybe seeing the end of it. But I think this is his final opportunity to come in and actually make a difference with some skilled players. Once and for all, is he actually worth it? And that last comment, basically just for all those Nick Patan lovers who uh, listen to the podcast, uh, we do appreciate everybody who tunes in. Uh, But I am right there with Kyle. I like Nick Patan, and I think he should get a shot. And there's a lot of things that go into behind the scenes about attitude and what guys are like in practice and things like that. But I hope he does uh, get a shot here at some point. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? No, well, on the back end, Sammy Niku is kind of in that same spot. Niku's been trying to crack the lineup. I'm Uh, also a fan of Niku. He sat in the press box for almost a month earlier this season, not really playing at all. I would really like him the exact same thing. Why don't you stick him on that second pairing and see what happens? What's the worst case? You have a little bit of a lead in the central. Not huge, but not like you can afford to lose a few games, but just to see what these guys have and see what they got because you never know. You might pick up a Kyle Connor like we saw coming from the Moose to Impact Player or a Roslovic last year. Maybe these guys are the next one of those guys. So you never know, but that's what I'd like to see. Don't know if we see it happening in the future though. Well, that does it for today's show. If you want us to talk about anything on the podcast, hit us up at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.